Well, good evening, good evening. I'm going to change that song from figgy pudding because I'm not even sure what that is. Does anybody know what figgy pudding is? Have you had figgy pudding? I'm going to change it to bring me some Laura Nowotny's bready pudding, right? If you've never had her bread pudding with the caramel sauce. She, she makes it from donuts. Let's just talk about that. So we were at the annual uh, leaders Christmas party last night for... Uh, for C squared, and it was what we, our leadership team, and and uh, I was we were at the end of the line, and it was a long line, and I just happened to look over it, and there was the dessert table was right there, and I had an empty plate in my hand, and there was this long line, so I just stepped over and got a big scoop of bread pudding and put it on my plate and covered it with caramel sauce and got back into line and snacked my way all the way, and it was gone by the time I got up there, and people kept looking at me like you're not allowed to do that. I'm like, who says, right? Because there's a Christmas song that says, bring me some bready pudding, right? And so we could change that. That could be your, your permission to doing that from going. All right, I got a couple of things I want to do before I get into my message. Some things that I felt like God dropped into my heart and uh, that I just want to share with you. And uh, so this one comes out of Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, if you've got your Bible, you can either swipe there or turn there if you're a page person. If you're following on version, these this one and the other thing I'm going to do are not in there. If you're, if you're not using version, you want to start get, uh, download that because then the, the message uh, uh, and the notes and everything uh, populate in all the verses. So, all right, let me, for, uh, Colossians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, it says, I'm going to start reading in verse 6. It says, this same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is, it is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. I was reading this just this morning, uh, the reading plan that we're doing together as a church. is We, we, we do different ones every year. We're, we're, we started in Genesis, and we're working our way all the way through to Revelation. And so it has us in Colossians today, and, or at least the one I'm doing. Maybe you're doing one that's a little bit different. And, uh, and, and, and as I read that, I thought, this God spoke to me. Our next series is going to be called Good News. And, and we're, we're going to camp in that series. I don't know how long, but it's going to be for a while. And we're just going to talk about the gospel week after week after week. And there's going to be a, an opportunity every week for people to make decisions for Christ. I'm going to talk to the, the finance team and the governance team about finding money to get one of those portable baptisms. You ever seen those, right? You just put them up. And what, every month, let's just baptize people right here in the service. And if the finance team and the governance team, and I trust them, if the money's not there, then we're going to take up a special offering, right? We're going to get one of those things. All right, just, well, it's going to be good. All right, so verse 7, I'm excited. Can you tell? Verse 7, listen to what it says. You learned about the good news from, now the name in here is Epaphras, but th this is what we call a fill-in-the-blank moment in the Bible. Your name should be in there for somebody this year. Right? When I read that this morning, I felt like God said to me, Fred, who is going to say that about you in 2016? Who? Who's going to say that about you? If someone were to write this letter about you, who, who would do it? Who is going to say, come on, you learned about the good news from Fred. You learned about the good news. Put your name in there. And so it just got me praying all morning. God, who are the people that I'm supposed to talk to Jesus about this year? Not, not, not talk to him about church. That's a different conversation for another time. I'm just talking about talking to people about Jesus. 
talking to people about Jesus, that we live in a world where we are surrounded by people who need to know the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and God has put us in this world to talk to them about it. The world is full of people that are eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and now there is a tree of life that's been put back into this world, and his name is Jesus Christ, and people need to eat from that fruit. People need to eat from the true, the, 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 the fruit of the tree of life. So as you're praying, I'm just challenging you, as you're praying for your 2016, pray that God's going to show you some people that you're supposed to have conversations with about Jesus. And I believe that he's going to give us specific people. It could be people in our family. It could be a neighbor. It could be a coworker, And that the Holy Spirit is going to begin to give you creative ideas to begin to have those conversations. He's going to create opportunities for those conversations to take place. And I think also as we step into that place of praying for that, praying for ourselves, that we're going to find ourselves in, in spontaneous moments just out and about in the community. Whether you're standing in line or whether you're at the gas station, wherever it might be that God's going to create an opportunity for you to have a Jesus conversation with somebody. All right, number two. Number two. So as, as, as we were worshiping, I, I was thinking about Psalm 103. And, uh, and so then, right, Tara starts talking about Psalm 103. And so I, uh, I turned to Vanessa and, and I said, do you have a wrap-up? That's what we call it for the, the end, because we don't script that part of the service. We, we, we just we want that to be a part of the prophetic flow of what we do every weekend. And so I said, do you have a wrap-up? And she's like, yeah, I, I got a wrap-up. And I know that was her saying, don't, don't be pushing me out of my wrap-up moment, because I got something from God, right? And, uh, and, and so then she says, but you're the pastor, so if you want to go instead, right, you can go. And it's like, no, because I can do mine at the beginning of the sermon. And aren't you glad that I did not, right, insert myself into that moment? Because that was a great worship wrap up and so so and so psalm 103 so i just love that right this this these are these are not worked out in meetings and not working out in a meeting isn't a bad thing that can be a good thing too because god's about preparation but we like this idea of just letting god be spontaneous and so when when she started talking about psalm 103 and then god was speaking to my heart about psalm 103 and that moment right these are these this is how he confirms for us he's trying to say something to us he's trying to say something to us and in psalm 103 in the king james it starts a little bit different than some of the more modern translations and in the king james it, it says bless the lord O my soul bless the lord O my soul and and when you're studying you want to read a few different translations because the the new living translation says let let my soul bless the lord or something like that it, it loses its sense of the command that it's supposed to carry because in the hebrew it's a command it's, it's David saying to himself, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, one, two, three, go. Right? It's like you, as a parent, there's times where you give your children suggestions, and there are times when you give your children commands. You with me? If you're married, there's times where our wives give us suggestions. Right? All right, you get, you get it. This, in this psalm, David is giving himself Somebody just got that. Did you like that? You're like, ah, that's good. I like it. So this psalm, David is saying to himself, oh, you're going to bless the Lord. You're gonna we're going to bless him. Right? And then he gives himself this list of why he should. So I believe that there's somebody here tonight, maybe several people, that you're living your life as if you didn't know that Jesus has been born in your Bethlehem. You with me? 
that when you read the story, the Christmas narrative, we have this incredible picture of Jesus being born in Bethlehem and almost the entire city had no idea. They did not know. They just kept doing all their normal stuff. Are you with me? Jesus was born. The living God took on human flesh, came into our world, and the majority of that city had no idea. They just kept going about the routine of their night and their morning, got up about their day. They were doing their chores. They had no idea that Jesus had been born in that city on that night. It's a little bit of a continuation of what we talked about last week, and I believe that there's just some people here that you, you need to know that you are his Bethlehem, that when you made a vow of devotion to Christ, Jesus came alive inside of you. He was born inside of you, but the rest of your life is like Bethlehem, and it's going about living life as if you did not know Jesus was there. And we're supposed to be a city unto God in our lives with our will that says, because Jesus has been born in me, this is how I will now live. And, and, and what I want to encourage you with, because this is one of the things I do for myself, is that when temptation comes and knocks on the door of your life, temptation comes and knocks on the door of my life, he comes and knocks at the door of your life, tempting you either to do things that you know that you shouldn't, or he tempts you to not to do the things that you know that you should, that you've got to learn to say to yourself, no, 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 no. Did you not know? Have you not heard that Jesus has been born in this Bethlehem? He's alive in this city, and that's not part of who we are. Are you with me? You've got to learn to do what David did in Psalm 103 and minister to yourself. You've got to learn to do what David did in Psalm 103 and prophesy and pray over yourself. You've got to learn to do what David did in Psalm 103, which is to lead yourself. And a lot of the stories in the Bible are given to us for history, but it's given to us for more than history. It's given to us for truth. And the picture of Bethlehem and Jesus being born in that city and the rest of the people not even knowing, you've got to look at that and say, God, do not let that be my life anymore. I want the fullness of my city, all of who I am, to be awakened and to be functioning with the knowledge that Jesus is alive in me and then I'm going to live as if he is my king because he is. So Father, for whoever that person is here tonight, God, whoever's here tonight, that the knowledge, Jesus, of who you are needs to be a part of all of who they are. We say, let it be that even now that they would feel you pressing out into every block of their life. As if right now their heart were a map and we could identify it with different neighborhoods, the neighborhood of their work life, the neighborhood of their home life, the neighborhood of their private personal life that no one knows about, all these different neighborhoods that, that they're not living with the knowledge that Jesus is alive in that city. We say let it be that Jesus would be alive in every one of those neighborhoods. In every community of our heart, Jesus, we say rule and reign. Rule and reign over every part of who we are in Jesus' name. Come on, and everybody said...
Amen. If that's you, if that speaks to you in some way, at the end of our services, there are always people in those corners right off to the side so you can have some sense of privacy. But at the end of every service, there's always people that are back there for you for prayer. And so if you feel like that was for you, then I want to encourage you, whoever you came with, they'll wait for you. If they won't, then we'll give you a ride home. Come on. And it is that, that you go and you say, hey, I, I think what Fred was talking about was for me. Could you pray for that? For You with me? Get, you want to get that thing down inside of you. All right. All right. We're, we might not get through all of this, but that's okay. I am really hungry for popcorn right now. You know why? Because Vanessa's like, please. She's all right. She's giving this on. Because, when, because oftentimes we'll make popcorn with olive oil, right? And, and then we put salt. It's a, little bit, it's a little bit healthier, right? And so because we anointed them, right, my hands, every time my hands get close to my face, I'll smell the olive oil. So I need, I need some olive oil popcorn. All right, that's later. All right, how about, how about a little Christmas test? You want a little Christmas test? All right, all right, come on. I know I'm not giving you a choice. That's just right. I just like to say that a lot. All right, this is, a Chris, this is the test, right? So, so it's true, false. I'm not doing any giveaway, so this is just for bragging rights. Just, and some of you, right, that are competitive, which is 95% of this room, right? Amanda is already leaning forward in her chair, right? This is great. We love this church, right? So, so false means that the Bible does not specifically say that it was. Are you tracking with me? So you might say, well, we don't know if it's false. I'm just saying true is that the Bible specifically says that it is. You with me false is that the bible does not it could be but the bible doesn't say that it is all right first one is this an angel told mary and joseph to go to bethlehem true or false how many truths oh i don't see a lot of hands you're good false that's right it was not an angel the angel didn't tell them right they went to bethlehem because there was a decree from caesar right they had the irs back then just like they did today function a little bit differently but they had to go to the city of the birth of their lineage and to be counted they had to be counted, so that's false. It was not an angel. All right, the, the Magi traveled on camels. How many, how many truths? Magi traveled on camels. How many falses? Right? We have no idea how they came. We, we don't know. The Bible, it doesn't tell us. So all the pictures, right, even my image slide, right, is we just, I'm, I'm promoting wrong thinking with the Bible, even here, right here. All right, there is no innkeeper in the story of Jesus' birth. True? How many truths? No innkeeper in the story of Jesus' birth. False. Right? It is true. There's, not, there's no mention of an innkeeper. It just says that, 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 that there wasn't room in an inn, but there's no, like all the kids' movies that we've seen where there's this conversation with, there could have been, but we don't know. No mention of it in the Bible. The Magi found Jesus in a house. Found him in a house. How many truths? How many? The Magi found Jesus in a house. True. False? Yep, they found him in a house. Many, many theologians believe that, that, that the, the, the Magi visiting Jesus came, it could have been years after his birth when you put it in a timeline. We don't know for sure, but the Bible does say that he was at a house, and so he was not in the manger anymore. All right, the shepherds found Jesus in a stable. How many truths? Found him in a stable. How many false? It is false. There's the mention of a manger, but there's no mention of a stable, right? There's just an assumption that's there. How you, anybody, anybody got 100 so far? Because when I every time I take this test, I do it every couple of years. I, I I only I only get about fifty percent right, which I know makes you nervous because I'm getting ready to preach. But that's okay. All right, all right. You got a all right ninety. All right. Anybody anybody got ninety or better so far? All right, all right. Well done, well done. All right. Sheep, goats, and donkeys were there with Jesus at his birth. Truths? How many truths I got? How many falses? All right. There's no mention of any animals at Jesus's birth. None. Right. 
So all the little nativity scenes that we have, really you've got to take everything out of there except for Mary and Joseph and Jesus, and that's it. That's all you got. But that's not really artistic, and so that's why all the other stuff is added in there. All right. Joseph walked while Mary rode a donkey as they left for Bethlehem. How many truths? How many falses? Right. The Bible doesn't say, but we know that if Joseph was a wise man, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> that's exactly what happened. Either that or they were looking for marriage counseling once they got to the city. All right, num- number eight, we're almost done. Magi actually translates kings. How many truths? How many truths? Oh, you guys are good. How many falses? Yeah, it does not. It means astrologer or astronomer. Astrologer or astronomer. It was believed they were actually a priestly cast of people from the Middle East that studied the stars. All right, there were three magi. Three, just like my slide says. True? How many truths? How many falses? Yeah, we don't know how many, right? Why do we think there were three? Yeah, because there were three gifts, right? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh, right? So, but there could have been lots of gold and lots of frankincense and lots. It could have been five. It could have been, right? But the song says, we three kings of Orion are. So that's right. So we know. All right, this is my last one. Pet, pet brand eggnog is the best eggnog. How many true? Yes. And, and anybody who would say otherwise, we'll have words after the end of the service. So pet eggnog, come on. Spend a little bit extra and get the, come on, all right. Get the good stuff. Get the good stuff. All right. He said, don't think that's biblical. I know it's not. It's not. It's preferential. Preferential. But it's a good preference. All right. So we're in a series called The Heart, the Heart of a Magi. The Heart of a Magi. And I believe that, that, that what God did put in Scripture for us is to teach us something of the heart that he expects to find in us. And he expects to find in us the heart of a Magi. We, we, we talked last week, as we've talked many times before, uh, about the five different responses that the Christmas narrative give, gives to us. And over the years, we've explored different ones. But, uh, and that's in last week's podcast and also in the notes for you version. But one of the five is a material response. That, that God, through his decision, decided to make finances and money part of the Christmas story because the Magi could have given any kind of response to Jesus being king. Are you with me? Any kind of response. But the response that God ordained for them to bring was one of a financial gift to Christ. And I believe that he put that in the center of the story because it's supposed to be an important part of our journey as devoted followers of Christ. Matthew 2.11 is the verse that tells us what they brought. Matthew 2.11, where it says that they brought gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. I'm going to explain what those were in just a minute. So last week, we talked about this idea of where do I begin. If I want to have the heart of a magi, where do I begin? Tonight, we're going to dig around a little bit. I don't know how far we'll get. We're going to dig around a little bit. Let me set my clock up here so that, all right, just for safety's sake. There we go. All right. So, so, so last week we talked about where I began, 
And, and, and we talked about, we, we dug around in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 a little bit, where Paul talked about this idea of, of things that you believe to be true and that you hold in your hand, which was the Greek word dekomai, that don't, don't live your life in vain or as to ignore those things that you believe to be true, which is the, the, the Greek word kanos. And so we're talking about a dekomai Christianity, a life that is instructed by the things that you believe to be true. And that for too many of us, our Christianity is defined by the chasm that exists between what we profess we believe and then the choices and the decisions we make in regarding to how we live. And that we want to be a church that, that for ourselves and that helps others close that gap. It's never going to be completely closed because of the limits of our humanity. But my life should be more and more defined as I grow and mature as a Christian of a smaller gap to where I begin to live based on what I believe to be true. And I believe that is the essence of the beginning for every person if they want to have the heart of a magi. And the next question we said we were going to begin to unpack together is this idea of what do I bring? What, what do I bring? What does my material response look like? What, is it, what does it look like? And so we're going to get in there. To, we're going to be in there probably for a few weeks. This series is going to carry us into, into January. And then the last one is, is, is going to be how far have you come? And, and this idea of how the, 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 the length of the journey that the Magi had to travel, I be, believe, is a prophetic picture, picture of this journey of, of growing uh, and maturing as a devoted follower of Christ. There's a journey that he wants to go on with us, and we're going to spend several weeks into that. So let's talk about this idea of, of what do I bring, or what did I bring. I, I believe that there are three things. I don't, again, I don't know if we'll get through all three of them tonight, but we're gonna, we'll start with it, and then maybe we'll pick up with it next week. But I believe the first reason that God made material things a part of the Christmas story is because he wants us to know that I bring my heart with my material response. That whenever I step into a moment of material generosity, when, whenever I practice the biblical principle of tithing, whenever I, I step into a place of faith promise, which we're going to be talking about in the, in, the, in the months to come, which is how we fund our missions work here at City Life, the 2020 vision, which we're going to relaunch in next year for people that were not part of it this year, people that were part of it this year, you've done your part, but new people have come into the church, and so we feel like they need to have an opportunity to carry that for a little while as we have this vision to launch campuses and to build the school of leadership and school of ministry that we call Praxis 9. That whenever you step into moments of a material response because who you believe Jesus is, just like the Magi did, when you do that, you're giving more than just your money, you're giving your heart. Matthew 6, 21. Matthew 6, 21 reads this way. Where, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Right, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And the order in which those words appear in the verse is instructional. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's the practical action that leads the heart into a place of feeling. So we say it this way, right? We, 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 we teach couples this in, in marriage, right? Is that, that right feelings follow Right actions. Right feelings follow right actions, right? So when we're working with couples that are, that are in crisis, and, and we've heard it said, maybe you've said it before, we, we just don't love each other anymore. I say to them every time, you can. You can love again because right feelings follow right actions. You might not feel love towards one another today, but if you begin to do the things that you need to do, those feelings will begin to come. 
It, you know, so many people talk about love being a decision, and I like to say, hey, I'm all about love being a decision because 1 Corinthians 13 is in my Bible too. But if love never grows beyond a decision and back into a place of feeling and motion, then it's never the fullness that love created. Because the book of Song of Solomon is also in my Bible. And that book with the chapter of 1 Corinthians 13, I think gives us the complete picture. And then you connect those to this verse in Matthew, you're on to something, right? Feelings follow right action. Couples can rediscover the feeling of love and affection for one another again if you begin to do the right things. Oftentimes people that are married, their, their life is intertwined in an extramarital relationship. And they say, well, I love this person. And I say, I, you, you probably do. Because you did a bunch of things that you weren't supposed to do that created those feelings. And if you stop doing those things, those feelings for the person that you're not supposed to be in love with goes away. And you start doing those things with the person that you made a vow to, those feelings will come back. Right? Feelings follow right actions. Now, why is that connected to this moment? Because it's not just about marriage, it's about life. Right feelings follow right actions is a principle that's supposed to be a part of your life always. They brought three gifts. They brought gold, they brought frankincense, and they brought myrrh. Gold, it was a, as a gift for kings in Jesus' day. It was the, the gift that you would bring, that if you were from another country and you were sending emissaries to uh, maybe a neighboring country, there, there better be some gold in the gifts that you would bring because that's the gift that was given to a king. Now, I don't think that they understood the magnitude of the kind of king that Jesus was going to be, but they knew that he was a king of some kind. In fact, it says that they believed that he was going to be the king of the Jews. I don't think that they understood that he was going to be the king of kings and the Lord of lords, but they knew that he was going to be a king, right? This is last week. Because they believed that he was a king, there was a gift in hand that was instructed by the belief that they had. You with me? is that they were living out, right? They were living out. They were not empty-handed, kanas, right? They, it was dekomai. It was a dekomai moment. They were saying, I believe this, and therefore I'm going to do this. Their beliefs were instructing their actions. So they brought gold because they knew that Jesus was a king. So the gold represents his royalty. Frankincense is a, a kind of a, a glittering, odorous, gum, thick, gooey material that's used to be burned like incense. And, and frankincense was, was almost exclusively used in spiritual ceremonies, whether it was, whether it was a, a, a pagan ritual or whether it was a, a, a Jewish uh, a ritual of some kind that worshiping the one true God, that frankincense was a common uh, 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 material that was used to burn. It created a, a fragrance. And people understood that frankincense was, was something that was, it was expensive, it was valuable, and so it was used for these spiritual ceremonies. And the frankincense, I believe, that they brought was a prophetic gesture that, that Jesus is our great high priest. Now, again, I don't think they understood everything that was happening, but that's the beauty, right, of the providence of God. Sometimes we don't understand everything that's happening, but as Vanessa shared in that wrap-up, our hearts have got to be to him. God, just I, I'm going to do whatever he asked me to do, even when it doesn't make sense. So there's frankincense there that speaks to Jesus being our priest. It represents his divinity. It represents that Jesus is God. He's our king. He's our priest, his royalty, his divinity. And then myrrh is not the gift that you want to show up with at a baby's birth. You don't want to do it. It's as if you, it's if 
you were to show up, I just I want to make it real. If you were to show up at someone's baby shower, you with me? There's lots of babies that are being born, right, in City Life. We, the church grew by about 50% last year. There's all these babies, right? We're doubling down on all the baby dedications. It's awesome. If you were to show up at one of those baby dedications with a deposit on a funeral plot for that child, I know, right? She's gasping. And so would everybody else in that room. In fact, everybody else in that room would, 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 prob- would probably not just sit quietly. They would usher you out the front door in which you came, right? Inappropriate that would be. Myrrh was an embalming substance for dead people. That's what it was for, right? And so when they're showing up to Jesus' birth, there's gold, there's frankincense, and there's, and, there's, and there's myrrh. It's the gift that doesn't seem to fit, but yet it does because we know that Jesus was born to die. He was born to die for the sins of the world. And that last gift is so important because it represents that Jesus is our redeemer, right? He's supposed to be my king, which means that he's supposed to be the ultimate authority in my life. He's supposed to be my priest, meaning that he's supposed to be my spiritual example. And in his divinity, his life of character becomes my example for what I strive to become in this life. And he is my redeemer. But as Tara said, come on, how far is the east from the west? We cannot understand that. And, and yet that's why he picks it, because that's how far he removes us from the guilt of our sin. He is my Redeemer. So when you think about what you believe about Jesus, and I know that many of you in this room, you believe all of those things about Christ, whether or not you ever understood how they connect to the gifts that were brought in that moment, that you believe in his royalty, that you believe in his divinity, and that you believe in his purpose to be a redeemer, to save the world because he saved you. The question now comes, what have you brought him? What kind of gift do you regularly bring to Jesus that is financial, that is born out of what you believe about him? Now, God made this part of the Christmas story. Are you tracking with me? For a reason. Because of Matthew chapter 6, where he says, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. At the end, right, can we just agree Jesus does not need our money? He doesn't need a thing from us. But we need for him to have our heart. And one of the ways that our heart gets there is through our pocket. It's through our pocket, right? And so so when I step in my life in moments of generosity, it means two things for me. As a family, we give. As a family, we, we, we've practiced the, the biblical principle of tithing long before we worked in a church. In fact, I'm glad for the almost 10 years where I sat where you sat because I was just as excited about tithing then as I am today because it's not connected to my job. It's connected to what I believe about Jesus. Right? And so when we step into moments, when we participate in the 2020 vision, when we participate in faith promise, when we do special offerings at times in the church, sometimes they're spontaneous and we engage in those moments, we participate in those moments for one ultimate reason, because it is a material response that just like the Magi have, that we're supposed to have to who Christ is. But there's another reason why I get excited about giving. There's a reason I get excited about giving because I know that my heart needs to go farther in love with God. 
As excited as I am about where it is today, can I just say I want my heart to be more in love in my future with Jesus being my king than it is today. I want my heart to be more in love with the idea of him being my priest than it is today. I want my heart to be more in love with the idea that he is my redeemer than it is today. And one of the ways I get my heart there is that I lead it there through the gifts that I bring. I lead my heart through the money that I give. Because where my treasure is, there my heart will be also. I'm excited about where my heart is today in the kingdom. I'm excited about where my heart is today in my relationship with God. But I want all of my life to be one that is moving forward. Excited about where I am, but pressing on deeper and farther still. And when I give by God's design, it points my heart to where it needs to be. Right feelings follow right actions. All right, I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. You've got to make those decisions, you know. Come on, am I going to keep you till 7? And everybody said... All right, come on, guys. See, you learn about the church in moments like that. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. All right, let's invite, I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. We're going to hit these other two next week. If you've got your, your Bible, you can turn, turn to Matthew 14. Matthew 14. We're going to touch on this a little bit, and then we're going we're gonna to get into it again some next week when we do these other two. Matthew 14, verse 13. It said, as, as, as soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote place to be alone. But the crowds, the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. And Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. That evening, the disciples came to him and said, there, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. Some of you, are this is your favorite verse in the Bible every time on church on Saturday nights. Fred, it's getting late. <laughs> Send these people away so they can go get some food. They're hungry. I know, I feel your pain. I want some popcorn. But Jesus said, that isn't necessary. You feed them. But we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Now, many of you know this story. There's, there's more than 5,000 men alone. So that's not counting the women and the children, right? This, this crowd was in the tens of thousands of people, and they had five loaves of bread and two fish. And you know how they got those five loaves of bread and those two fish? It's because there was a boy that was there, probably a teenager, probably a teenager. Now, I got teenage boys. And I'm here to tell you, they don't give up their food easily. You with me? Right? And I, and I just have this picture of this teenager. He's standing there with his lunch and that probably his mama made for him, right, with five loaves of bread and 
and two fish, he hears, he hears this conversation and something inside of him says, give what you have away. But you know where he is? He's in the same remote place that the rest of these people are. So I think what he was thinking before this happened, bet you didn't bring a lunch like I did. <laughs> wow, you're going to be hungry tonight, but my belly's going to be full, right? Because that's how teenagers think. That's how all of us think. Let's just be honest. Oh, what did you? Oh, you didn't bring anything. I'm so sorry. Something inside of him says, give what you have. And this is how I think that conversation went. How, how many? All of it. You know, which one of the loaves do you want me to give, Lord? I want you to give all of them. Which one of these fish? Because I'd be willing to give one of the fish and, and one of the loaves. You, but I'll let you pick. No, no, no. You're going to give all of them away. And he finds his way. Can you believe the courage of this kid? Right? He's, Jesus is surrounded by his inner circle, and they're up there, right? And, and he pushes his way in, and, 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 and the disciples, they're thinking, what are we going to do? And here's this boy and says, I'm willing to give what I have. Because he believed something in that moment. I don't know if he believed yet that Jesus was the Messiah, but he believed that there was a voice that could speak to him that should direct his life. And that because he believed that, he lived that way, and he gave all that he had. All that he had. And we're going to get into this story next week, but you know one of the most amazing things about this story? The most amazing things about the story is because he gave all that he had, he went to bed that night more full than he could have ever hoped to be if he had kept what his mama had given him. And there were basketfuls left over. He went to bed that night more full than he could have ever been. Everybody in that crowd went to bed that night more full than they could have ever been. There is a material response that Jesus expects from you and that Jesus expects from me. And I know I feel it and you feel it too. Whenever you give here at City Life, it means that you're going to have less, but you're not. You're going to have more. And so is the rest of the world. And if you believe that, if you believe that, it should begin to change what you do month to month if you call this church your home. Stand with me as we worship. Father, we thank you for this series that you have us in. Because God, we know that there's going to come a day that's going to be our last day, that there's going to become a moment where we breathe our last breath, and at the end of our days, we want to be able to say, Father, may it be that you have found in me the heart of a magi. Let's worship together.